We'd like to uh, welcome you to our uh, morning service at Calvary Baptist Church of Trehearn. And also uh, welcome for those in tune with us via internet and FM signal here in town. Please welcome. Please open your hymnals on number 256. Number 256. It is well with my soul. 256.
Father, we're thankful that we can sing that song with truth in our hearts. We can know that it is well with my soul. If we know thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our Savior and Lord, and if we're walking with thee according to thy word, we can know it is well with my soul. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin that is available through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thankful for the power to be called sons of God, that we can serve thee faithfully, we can honor thee in our lives. We can make right choices and glorify Thee. We thank Thee for providing us a place to meet. Thank Thee for each one that has come out. We pray for the dicks today. Ask that Thy will be done in their lives. And thy name be exalted in their choices, in their lives. We ask Thy will be accomplished in Albert's life, that he would want to know the truth, see the need for Thy forgiveness and blessing. And for others that need to be here, we pray that Thou continue to work in their hearts and they would want to know thy forgiveness in these days of grace. We ask thy will be done in our country again. We pray for our leaders, for the salvation of many. We pray for the many that are meeting at the World Economic Forum, a very ungodly place. And we pray, Father, that uh, there might be some people there that would, some Christians in that area that would be able to speak to some of those leaders that are there and help them to consider their need of biblical salvation. We continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that souls be saved in that country. We pray also for the situation in Ukraine, for the Christians there and in Russia, that they'd be faithful to thee. Pray that many would be saved in those countries in these days of grace as well. So guide and direct us here. And as we broadcast across the world, that we can be a blessing to people and an encouragement to each one as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And over to 409. Hold the fort. Number 409. Oh, the 
with the answer but to heaven by thy grace we will fears along the battle rages but our help is there onward comes our great commander hear my comrade cheer hold the fort for I am coming Jesus signal still with the answer but to heaven by thy grace we will and over to 469 469 I found a friend number 469 <clears throat> I found a friend oh such a friend he loved me
Bibles and turn to the book of the Revelation. Revelation chapter 20. verses 11 through to the end of the chapter, verse 15. We'll stand, please, for the reading of God's word, Revelation chapter 20, beginning there with verse 11, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for thy word. We're thankful for this passage, a very sober passage, a very important passage that people need to pay attention to. We pray for the many that have visited here and chosen not to come back, how that they reject the truth and these kinds of warnings are so important. And yet we understand that the lost are offended by the truth. They want to believe that they're good enough and they'll make it already and everything will be fine. We're thankful, Father, for each one that's listening that is saved. I pray that we would be encouraged to continue to walk faithfully, faithfully with thee and help others to know the truth. We pray for Ronnie's boss and for his co-workers. Pray that they might see their need to know the truth, that they would see the wickedness that's in their hearts and how evil it is for them to defy the living God, that they might want to know thy peace and forgiveness. We ask, Father, that thou wouldst guide us as we look into these verses, that we might allow thee to direct us, that thy will would be accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message this morning is The Danger of Neglect. The Danger of Neglect. <clears throat> it's interesting to observe how people develop habits. Stubbornness interferes with learning. When a person insists on doing things wrong, it affects all of their life. You develop a bad habit, you find that it's very difficult sometimes to break that habit. And even when you think you broke it, the devil will try to bring that back again into your thinking. And habits are developed from a very young age. And uh, the stubborn attitude that is common in all of us when we're lost it's something that interferes with the will of God and with the need to know the true God. 
And as we look at our passage here, all of those who will be standing here at the great white throne judgment, all of them <coughs> have demonstrated their stubbornness. They have rejected the truth and decided that they know better than God does. And they have thus ended up in a place they never thought they would be. And they will be sorry for all of eternity, but not able to do anything about it. So the first thing that we want to notice in this passage is the great white throne. Verse 11, it says, And I saw a great white throne. Now in the Old Testament, we have the account of King Solomon, who was one of the wealthiest kings and the wealthiest men that lived on the earth. And he presided, presided over a time of great economic prosperity for Israel. Israel was the attraction of the world. Most of the trade that happened in the Middle East traveled through Jerusalem. And so Solomon developed a taxation system that greatly benefited him and the nation that everybody passing through there had to pay taxes to use the roads and the, the conveniences of that place. Solomon squandered what could have been a great blessing, not just for his time, but for the future of Israel. He threw it all away to follow his lusts. And during his early years, we read that Solomon built a palace for himself and in that palace, he made an ivory throne. Ivory is white. He had this massive throne that he sat upon, a lion on either side of it. And then we read as well that he had overlaid that ivory throne with gold. Now, white in the Bible is used at times to depict purity. Gold is used in the Bible to depict deity. So Solomon had set himself up. Now he was chosen by God, but he allowed his power to go to his head and he set himself up to be much more than what he actually was. His fame was known far and wide. Jesus talked about Solomon. The queen of Sheba traveled to talk with Solomon and to meet with him and to see what was actually going on in Jerusalem. But as I mentioned already, Solomon squandered everything that God gave him. The nation of Israel suffered due to Solomon's wickedness. So here in our text, John says, and I saw a great white throne. So this throne in heaven would be also white and it would be, it will be, it is already, it's there. But it's a throne that is very impressive. John takes note of it. Now, when we think of a white throne, we're not told what this throne is made of, whether it's made of ivory or not. But ivory comes from the tusks, tusks of elephants or the teeth of elephants or hippopotamus or walruses or warthogs or sperm whales, and narwhals, and mammoths, and mastodons. Now, mammoths and mastodons, they claim, are extinct. And we don't know if they really are or not. 
but they're definitely not as popular as they once were. And we don't know where Solomon got all his ivory from, whether he killed elephants to get it, or whether he was, maybe he found dead uh, mammoths and dead mastodons. Maybe there were a bunch of them in Israel and he took their, their ivory from them. We don't know where he got it from. But we do know that ivory was one of the commodities that was traded regularly in Jerusalem in the days of Solomon. We know that elephants were used, I believe we're going to see that in this afternoon's message if I remember right, but elephants were used in wartime, in Bible times, and they were also used as uh, strong animals in other things because of their power. But we know that this temple in heaven, it's white, and we're not told what it's made of, but we are told that him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now, on that throne in heaven, we believe that Jesus Christ is the one that is sitting on that throne. He is the one to whom God has given all judgment. Uh, when you look in the Bible, you see that Jesus Christ at several times talks about him being the one who is going to be the judge of all people. And so it tells us here that as they see, the, as John here sees this throne, <clears throat> and as he sees the man sitting on this throne, it tells us from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. So John here is being given a picture into the future again. He sees the dead standing before this throne. And he realizes that not one of those people can truly stand before that throne because of the one who is sitting on it. Now, this week in the United States and Mississippi, there was a grade one student, a boy, who was cleaning up Lego in the classroom and he dropped some of it. And when he dropped it, he took the Lord's name in vain. And the teacher heard it. And interestingly, in that school, the teacher punished that boy. And not just the teacher, but the school punished that boy. His mother, and because it went onto social media, his mother and others in the community, and not just in the community, but it went, they said it went viral. So other places also saw it. And the people were offended that the school punished the boy for taking Jesus' name in vain. That tells us how depraved our society is. When a grade one student is already so familiar with taking the name of Jesus in vain. Obviously, he heard it at home. And he is using that, and the society around that area is offended when the school disciplines the boy for using Jesus' name in vain. Nobody in our text here, nobody is going to be mocking at Jesus. They are going to be afraid they're going to be afraid in the fearful, trembling sense. Worse 
than the world was when it was announced that we had this major uh, so-called pandemic three years ago. This is going to create a massive panic with those that are going to be standing in front of this throne. And there are going to be thousands of people standing in front of this throne. And throne. In fact, there will be millions of people standing in front of this throne. The second thing we need to understand is that there is more beyond the grave. There is more beyond the grave. It says there, and I saw the dead. Now it's important for us to understand that the dead <coughs> are those who have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. You go back to verse 5, and it says, but the rest of the dead. So this is talking about those who are not a part of the first resurrection. You read verse 5, it says, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the dead being spoken of in verse 11 or verse 12 and on are those who are not a part of the first resurrection, which means that they are people who are not saved. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So there are people listening to me today who are dead in trespasses and sins. If you were to take a stethoscope and place it by their heart, you would find they have a heartbeat. If you take and put your hand in front of their mouth or their nose, you'll find they're breathing. If you watch them long enough, you'll see them blink their eyes. They're alive. They can walk, they can talk, they eat, they run, they do all kinds of things, but according to the Bible, they're dead. Why are they dead? They're dead spiritually because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's who Jesus or God is talking of here in our text in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great. Now the word small and great there can speak of either small as in children, or it can speak of small in the sense of their place in society. And we know that both are applicable. There will be children who will be standing at the great white throne judgment. There will be many children there. There are many children who have died in the past, and children who are dying today, who are not saved. They have chosen not to believe the truth. Some of them were living in ungodly homes, and they weren't as exposed to much of the truth. But it, it doesn't matter. They're still dead. They're still lost, and they're going to be at the great white throne judgment. And so this is very sobering for those children today that are listening to me. You may never grow to be old, and if you're not saved, you will stand at this great white throne judgment. And we already learned in verse 11 that you're not going to be happy about that. You're not going to be comfortable about that. You're going to be in fear, in dread of being at that place. And you're not going to find anybody there to comfort you. You won't be able to run to daddy or mommy. You won't be able to run to auntie or uncle. You won't be able to run to anyone because even if 
your parents were to be lost, if you're listening uh, on our internet, if your parents are lost, they're not going to be there to comfort you. Everybody is on their own when it comes to the dead that are lost in their sin. Even though there will be millions of people in hell and in the lake of fire, everybody is on their own. It's a very, very disastrous place, tragic place to go to. So it says here, small and great, stand before God. And you notice here, stand before God. But we already said in verse, uh, in verse 11 that Jesus Christ is the judge. And we know that Jesus Christ is God. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 42... It says there, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. The word quick there talks about the saved people. The dead talks about the lost people. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, it says there, I charge thee before, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Again, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the judge. In John chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. In John chapter 5 and verse 27, it says, And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. So the Bible makes it clear that the one who is sitting on this throne here in Revelation 20 is Jesus Christ. And he is called God. That's not strange in the Bible. And it shouldn't be strange for us either. The JWs don't like that. The Mormons don't like that. The Muslims don't like that. But that doesn't matter. It's the truth. And so Jesus Christ is going to be on that throne. And all of the lost from the time of Cain all the way to the last person that is alive in the millennium. The lost, last lost person alive in the millennium, all of those people will be standing here before Jesus Christ. And it tells us that the books were opened. The books were opened. And then it says, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to to their works. So one of the things that we see here is the contrast that Jesus is going to be showing people, all those that are standing here at this great white throne judgment. There will be no saved people there, not one. So there will be no one there that will be able to run up to someone and say, you know, if you trust in Jesus right now, you can be forgiven and saved. Nobody will be doing that because there will be no saved person there. And it will be too late for those who have died without Christ. There is no salvation beyond the grave. 
And so it tells us that the books will be opened and also this other book, which is called the Book of Life. And the contrast that we see here is that those people that are here at this judgment, their names will not be in the Book of Life. And so as Jesus is judging the lost, he will be opening the books. And it tells us that in the books, it says all the works of the dead are there. So today, for those that are listening to me, and you have said now in your past already, you've said, no, I don't want to believe in Jesus today. No, I don't want to believe in Jesus today. No, I don't want to believe in Jesus today. No, I don't want to believe in Jesus today. And however many times you have said that, whether you've said it verbally, but you've definitely said it in your mind. You don't want to believe in Jesus. That's a work. You have made up your mind you're not going to believe in Jesus. Every time that you have said that, it's been recorded in God's books. Every time that you've disobeyed your parents, it's been recorded in God's books. Every time you've lied, it's been recorded in God's books. The only time that that record is changed is when a person gets saved. Then that record is removed. But at this great white throne judgment, it's too late. So the books are opened, and what you have done in your lifetime is all there. Now, when you think of that, the older a person lives, the more things they do. There must be quite, these books must be quite big that are going to be there. There are people who boast about the number of volumes that they have in their library, the number of books they have there. Nobody has a library like God has up in heaven where he's recorded all the millions of people who have died already and the more that are going to die yet who are not saved. And it says the books are going to be opened and it says that the dead are going to be judged out of the things which were written in the books according to their works. So one of the things that people are being taught today, the Catholics teach it, the Mennonites teach it, a lot of Baptists teach it, the United Church teaches it, the Lutherans teach it. There's a lot of different groups that teach as long as you do good, as long as you try your best, that's all that really matters. Just try your best. No talk about the need of salvation, no talk about salvation. We had a woman that attended our church for years who attended the United Church before she came here, and she said she was never told in that church for all those years that she needed to be saved. So there's a lot of people, religious people, who will be standing at the great white throne judgment and the books are going to be open. And they won't be able to argue with Jesus because we find already in verse 11 that it says that earth and heaven fled away from this. So even though these people are going to be standing there, they're not going to have any boldness to think that they can argue with Jesus 
and try to make an excuse for why they're there. Everybody that will be at this great white throne judgment will understand at that time that they deserve to be there. When we look at Luke chapter 16, and we're not going to turn there, but you can look at it later, but when we look at Jesus' account of the rich man and Lazarus, and we see that the rich man doesn't argue with Abraham that he's in hell, but he wants Lazarus to give him a, just a drop of water to put on his tongue. And when, when Abram says he can't do that, then he wants Lazarus to go back to earth and to tell his brothers not to come to that place. And Abram says he can't do that either. That rich man, he understood that he deserved to be in that place. He didn't argue about that. But he also realized that he was in great torment. And he realized that his brothers were lost and coming to the same place. So think about it. When you get to hell, if you're, not, if you're listening to me and you're not saved, when you get to hell, your memory is still very active. In heaven, the Bible says that God is going to wipe away all tears. So those that are in heaven who have lost loved ones, we're not going to be thinking about them anymore in heaven. That's going to be wiped out of our memory. It's gone. But those that are in hell, they're going to have a very vivid and active memory, remembering all their friends, and all their things that they've done, they're going to remember that for all of eternity. And there's no forgiveness. And there's no rest. No rest at all. So it tells us here that the books are going to be opened and the lost are going to be judged according to their works. According to what you've done. And so it's very important for us to stop and consider what Jesus is telling us here. This is very serious. All of the Bible is very serious. This is talking about life after death. Where does a person go when they die? And for those that are lost, what happens to them? The third thing that we want to see is all the dead will be accounted for. It says in verse 13, it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Now, during the war, there were people that died in the Navy. They were on the ship. Maybe the enemy came and attacked from, the, from a plane and they shot at the ship and killed some of the people. Maybe some of them died of sickness. I know that there have been people otherwise that have traveled on ships and they've died on the ships. And uh, there are people who their loved one dies and then they have them burned and they take their ashes and they scatter them on, uh, on a river or in an in a ocean or on a, on a lake. They, they take them there and scatter them. But the Bible says the sea gave up the dead which were in it. 
When you take ashes and you throw them into the water, or when a person dies in the water and stays there, they rot. Fish come along and eat parts of them. The fish swims around. The fish poops. So that body is scattered around. It's scattered around. It could be miles. But the Bible says the sea gave up the dead. So wherever the body parts are, doesn't matter to God. Wherever the body parts are, they're all going to come back together again, and that body will be back together in one piece. It's an amazing thing that only God can do. You know, if you have something that is small, if you have something that is small and in, in pieces and you drop it, and then you go and you start looking for the pieces, you might find just about all the pieces, but you're not likely to find them all. But the Bible says that the sea gave up the dead. So the sea is going to give them up. So Jesus isn't going to have to go around and send out his angels and said, go and look, I'm missing for one toenail from that person. Go and see if you can't find that somewhere. It says the sea is going to give up the dead. Now, just a week ago, in uh, the Middle East, <clears throat> there were some Navy SEALs who were in the water, and they were trying to rescue some other U.S. Navy people who were being taken captive, and they were on a rescue mission, and somehow they lost their whatever they were holding on to, and they drowned. They ended up in the water and they drowned. And I haven't heard that they found those two people yet. As far as I understand, it was two people that drowned in the sea. And we don't know where they are yet. But when this judgment time comes, the sea is going to give them up, even if they never get found. In Ontario, just on Friday, I think it was, there was a car crash uh, near Lake Ontario on the road, two vehicles. The one that was an 18-year-old boy or young man who lost control of his vehicle and hit another vehicle, and both of the vehicles ended up in Lake Ontario. The lake was frozen, but not frozen hard enough. The vehicles went through the ice, and they were underwater. The one vehicle was underwater for over four hours. In spite of that, interestingly, when they finally got that vehicle up out of the water, the person inside was still alive, but died in the hospital. But you see, even if they hadn't found those people, there's a day coming when the sea is going to give up all the dead that are in it. Not only that, but it says also, it says... And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So we're talking about the second resurrection, the part of the second resurrection. So all those who die without Christ are going to be raised up at the end of the millennium. Cain and all those 
that are like him, all of those stay, their bodies stay in the graves, and they will be raised up at the end of the millennium. Their souls are in hell. And so it says here, the death, death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So there are people like Cain who has been suffering in hell now already for over 5,000 years. He's been in torment for a long time. And he's going to be raised up to stand at this great white throne judgment. <clears throat> and it says, they were judged every man according to their works. So every person that is lost, wherever they are, doesn't matter to God, wherever they are, they will all be found and they're all going to be raised up at this great white throne judgment all at the same time. I read recently of a family in the United States whose loved one had died, I believe it was the father had died, and they had him cremated, and they had their ashes, they kept them in their house with them, and they went to a sporting event, I can't remember if it was a football game or what, and uh, they took the ashes with them because they said that the dead person would have wanted to see that game. You know, when a person is dead, they don't know what's going on on this earth anymore. As I mentioned, they'll remember that they have brothers and sisters, whatever, wife, husband, whatever, they remember that, but they don't know what's going on in the war in the Middle East or in Ukraine or whatever, and they certainly don't know what's going on on some sporting event. And to think that you're going to take the ashes of your loved one to a game thinking that, that somehow that's going to make them happy is foolishness. But that's how lost people think. They don't think very clearly. So we see that there's a problem in our society with the fact that <clears throat> People don't pay attention, don't think very far, and they certainly don't think very clearly because they reject the truth. In verse 14 it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So hell is a place where the lost are today. And the Bible says that hell is a place of torment. But there's a, another place that the Bible talks about here, and that's the lake of fire. So hell is a holding place for the lost. They're in torment already, but it tells us in verse 14 that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The second death. So the Bible says, as we've already noted, that we are born dead in trespasses and sin. We're already dead. But those who remain in that dead state spiritually, they are the ones who will be at this great white throne judgment. And then it tells us here that they are going to be cast into the lake of fire. 
And that's the second death. So not only did the person live their entire life on this earth dead, spiritually dead, and then they died, and then here at this great white throne judgment, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. So they've been resurrected for a short time, long enough to stand here at the great white throne judgment. Now they're cast into the lake of fire and they're eternally cut off from God. There's no further mercy for the dead that are lost when they die. And so even though they are raised up long enough to stand at this judgment seat, uh, this great white throne judgment here, that's not a good thing. That's not a helpful thing. They're going to hear and they're going to see why they're going to go into the lake of fire. Be have, they'll have no lawyer to argue their case. They'll find no mercy from God, but they will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Now, normally, when you have a fire, it burns something, and you end up with some ashes left. But that's not the case with this fire. In this fire, those who go there will never be burned up never be destroyed be a constant burning a painful burning and God is telling us this as another warning for those who are lost to realize the importance of turning to God in repentance and being saved now in verse 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we see back in verse 12, the books are opened. And then it says another book was opened, which is the book of life. So as Jesus, who is the judge, as he's going to be looking at the books and as he's going to be pointing out to each person why they're going into the lake of fire, he's also looking in the book of life. And if that book is written in alphabetical order, which I don't know that it is, but if it is, it'll be the A's first and then the B's and the C's and so on. And as Jesus is looking through the list of the many who are in the book of life, the saved people, None of the lost, their names will not be there. And Jesus can do that. He can scan down that and he can look at the other one. He can do that in a moment of time because he's Jesus. He doesn't need a computer. There's no hard drive that's going to crash. There'll be no power outage that the computer is going to fail. There's none of that going on. The record is clear, the record is accurate. And it says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And it's important to understand that only Jesus can put your name in the book of life. You can't do it. I can't do it. Only Jesus can put your name there. 
And so if he hasn't done that, it won't be there. And the only way that Jesus can put your name there is if you've been saved through his blood. That's the only way your name can get there. It's not by good works. We're going through the book of Romans in our devotionals. And the Apostle Paul was directed by God to make it very clear that salvation is not by works. There's nothing that anybody can do to earn salvation. It's a gift from God. It's a precious gift that God wants to give to everybody, but it's only available to those who turn to God in repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. And so again, as we look at this passage here, it's important for us to understand that this is a very serious and sober warning that God is giving us. John the Apostle is writing it down. And it's not mythology. It's not just a story. This is a fact. And Jesus is wanting those who are lost to turn to God and be forgiven and saved today. Don't put it off any longer. You will be eternally sorry if you do. And you will have no recourse. There will be no way to change the record once you're dead. So the day of salvation is today. The time for forgiveness is today. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of all the people, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So everybody has the opportunity to be saved. But if you choose to reject that offer that God has made on your behalf, there is no other option. And so the important thing is to believe what God says today and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today and know his peace and forgiveness today so that you don't have to go to this dreaded place known as the lake of fire. God doesn't want you there. And he has given us this opportunity today to spend here to help us to stop and consider where we're going. For those that are saved, the Bible is clear that our names are written in that book of life. They can't be removed. We didn't put our names there. God put them there. And they're there to stay. But those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior... Your name is not there. It's not that your name is there and then it gets removed. It's never been there. The Catholics teach that babies are born as sinners. They accept that fact. But they also teach that they need to, Catholic parents need to take their baby to a priest. I believe it's by, before they're eight days old. And they need to have that little bit of water put on the baby's forehead to cleanse that baby of original sin. 
And then they teach the parents that that baby now is innocent. So if that baby were to die from that moment on, it's going to go to heaven because it's innocent. They've had that little bit of water put on them by a sinful priest, but in their minds it's holy water. And so that baby is free from sin. So now that baby can go to heaven if it dies. And then as that baby grows up a little bit and starts to lie and whatever else babies do, and, you know, we all sin. But now that the parents are told to make sure that that child goes to catechism. And then they take and teach them the catechism. And after they're done the catechism, then they have a confirmation service. And when the, the child has done the catechism, of course, they're going to pass that. And that's what the confirmation service is about. And that, again, sets that child. Now they're in a good place. And then after that, whenever that child sins, which they do, then the other thing that they can do now is they can go to confessional. And they can, the priest will tell them, well, if you do this many Hail Marys or you give this amount of money to this organization or whatever, then that'll remove that sin. But they also teach them that, you know, when you die, you're going to go to purgatory. And you're going to have to spend some time in purgatory. And if your family is wealthy enough, and if your family is good enough, and if they get the priest to make enough prayers on your behalf after you're dead then you might come out of purgatory. You might have to spend 10 years, 15 years, 20 years there, but you'll eventually you'll get out of purgatory and you can go to heaven, maybe. You never can guarantee that, but maybe. But all of that is a lie. It's not true. And when a person dies, they either immediately go to heaven or they immediately go to hell. And the choice is made by the person while they're alive in this world. So it's important to listen to what God has to say and to choose wisely with your life. Whether you're young or old, choose wisely. Don't put off the most important thing in life because you think you have lots of time. You don't know that. Trust in the Lord today and begin to enjoy his blessings as his child. That's what God wants you to do. That's what we want you to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have this opportunity to spend in thy word. Thankful that we have a God who is so merciful and gracious to us, who gives us his word, so that we can know the truth. We can be forgiven. We can be saved today. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have of broadcasting into other countries. And we pray for anyone that's listening today who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, that they might see their need to turn to thee in repentance and to trust in thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, alone for their salvation. To trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. That he is alive today. Seated on thy right hand. We're thankful that we can come to thee in Jesus name. 
And we pray for those that are lost, that they might see their need to turn to thee in repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Help those of us that are saved, that we'd be faithful and bold in telling others, but also in living the truth in our own lives, so that we can have that voice of truth when we meet lost people. May thy will be accomplished in these last days, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.